0: So we're kicking off a new series called uh, Raise Your Game, and we'll be focusing on the kind of confidence that it takes to do what God has prepared us to do. Um, And this one's a little bit special because the elementary classes are actually on the same theme also. So if you have any kids in that class at elementary age, you guys will get a chance to talk about some of these things because they're along the same line. So I think that's really cool. Um, But I'm going to ask real quick, any of you guys gamers in the auditorium? Any gamers, people that play video games? And if I had to explain it to you to know, that means you're not a gamer, all right? Not much, okay. I'm going to go straight to it. How many of you play games on your phone, all right? A lot of us. How many of you like to play Candy Crush? <laughs> no? You, you ever heard of Candy Crush? It's a new addiction. All right. <clears throat> Candy Crush, I, I mean, I love it. Uh, you can... As in in any other game, right, you start off, you're not as good, but as you go progressively, you get better as the levels get harder. Um, And the same thing with Candy Crush. Uh, So what they do to sort of help you out, they give you advertisements to watch. You could watch them for like 5 seconds, 10, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and you get like a power-up, right? And then I'd be able to use that power-up in the game, I went a lot faster. Then I got to a certain level, and they stopped giving me advertisements. They're like, brother, now you're going to have to pay to get these power-ups if you want to keep playing. They've, they hooked me, they hooked me, now they want my money. And I was like, no thank you, Candy Crush. But, right, as I'm playing, I've developed confidence, right? So my wife started playing a little bit after me, and she'd get to a level, she can play, and I'd be like, let me see the phone. I win. Like, I had this confidence because I had been to that level already, right? I had developed skills in Candy Crush, but, the kind of confidence, right, to go and do the things that God has purpose for us to do requires a little bit more than our experience and our skill set, right? It's not something that we have naturally or can produce on our own. And so we came from a series called Doubt, and we're pivoting to this one. And so as we dive into confidence, I just wanted to point out that just like doubt, it's okay to have doubt as long as you're wrestling with it. It's okay that you're not constantly confident as a Christian at all times. That we're all going to waver back and forth depending on the season that we're in. And in some moments, you find yourself that you were confident in this a couple years ago. This time, eh, you're not so confident. But that's all right. We're talking about things that allow us to build uh, the confidence that we need. And we're going to spend some time doing that by reading the account of the disciples after Jesus had resurrected Um, And he's asked them to meet in Galilee. And we're going to find this in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can pull that out. If you can find a Pew Bible, or you can pull out your phone, or you can read on the screen. Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Like, they had been through all this stuff with Jesus. This man died. They watched him die and then resurrected. And now they're still doubting, right? Let's keep going. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right, Jesus leads them with this mission. But before he does that, he says, hey guys, I just want to let you know, I've been given authority in all heaven and on earth. Like, I run this, just so you know. Right, I know you might have thought that I needed to eat and sleep and all this other stuff, but I resurrected myself from the dead, and I have all authority. And because I have all authority, and because of the things you've seen me do, now I'm sending you. Right, it's like the president of the general. Like, in my name, I'm going to send you to go out and do this. Right, and <clears throat> we call this uh, this a theological term called the Great Commission. It's not—you won't find that word in the Bible—but that's what we've called it. And I, I just, just for kicks, I wanted to look up to see what commission meant exactly. And Dictionary.com says it's an authoritative order, charge, or direction. Like our king, our general, our president. Our God is giving us an order and a charge. So that's our purpose. That's, that's our mission, right? And so he's given, because he has all authority, he says, go and make disciples. What does that mean? We go and share the gospel with other people, the gospel that is able to save folks. We're giving them an opportunity to find and follow Jesus. And then we baptize them, right, as a church. Uh, uh, last weekend, we were able to, in Avon, we baptized 54 people. Like, that's what we want to do, right? It is amazing. Yeah, we can clap for that. Absolutely. Right? We want to help people take their next steps. And then we want to teach them, right, like getting into a life group or or, or, or getting into an elective that's going to help you understand the word better. Like, that's, that's what we've been called to do. That's our, that's our purpose, right? And everything that we do is rooted around this. And <clears throat> sometimes we can... Get caught up in the fact that, all right, well I, well, I want this kind of career, and I want to be able to do these things in my life, and I got this bucket list, and um, I want to have X number of kids, and I want to have this retirement. Like, all of that is good. Like, it's not bad. But when we've prioritized those things over the mission, then we have a problem. All right? that's when we've have, we have things backwards. But I get it. This stuff, is, it's hard to do. Right? What if? What if I have doubts? What if I'm too shy to share my faith with other people? What if? What if we find opposition? And in this day and age, in our, the culture that we live in, we get a lot of opposition if we don't think the way that other people think. What if I'm made to be an outcast? And this one definitely hits for me. What if people just think I'm weird? Like I think about going. To my neighbor and said, "Like, how do I introduce Jesus in this conversation about cutting grass?" Like I don't. Like, I don't know, right? All right? Um, but we talked about different ways to do that. I'm not going to spend any time on it um, here today. But um, building relationships with our neighbors is important, right? That's how we want to give them an opportunity. So is that, are those just my fears I just mentioned? Like, I gave that list. Anybody else kind of feel the same thing? Raise your hand, right? We all struggle with this. Those of you who are not, that means, you're, like, you have no problem talking about the gospel. All right? That's great. Or you're lying. One or the other. We'll see. We shall see. <clears throat> so the kind of confidence we need to go and share God's love doesn't come from our skill experience. Where does it come from? I think Scripture tells us that the, the kind of confidence to go is developed over time with Jesus, and I'm going to share a couple of ways, right? <clears throat> I think the first, the first is knowing who Jesus is and trusting what Jesus says, knowing who Jesus is and trusting what Jesus said. I think those two go hand in hand. As you're knowing him more, you're trusting him more. And so if you went and you read my profile on Facebook, and that's all you did, we've never interacted before, would you say that you know me? Yes or no? No. Right? And if you said yes, that's a little creepy. You can't, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, you you have to have relationships with people. I have a good friend of mine, um, one of my best friends, like, when we were younger, couldn't stand him. He couldn't stand me. Like, we just couldn't stand each other, and it wasn't until we were in youth ministry together that we developed a, a relationship. I come to love the guy, and he, and he loves me, one of, my, one of my best friends, and so building relationships takes time, and so in Matthew 28, Jesus is giving this command. It's not like he just showed up out of nowhere and said, hey, I need you to go and do this. No, they had spent three years doing ministry together, watching Jesus perform miracles, Right, uh, uh, spending time together, eating and traveling. And, and then Jesus saying weird things that went over their heads and him having to explain himself. Like they, like they spent time together. They had a relationship. And so they had this opportunity. We also have this same opportunity. Jesus affirms this, this way of getting to know him also. He does it in John chapter 10. I'm going to read it for you really quickly. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Right? The word for know that's used in the Greek is ginosko. Right? And the idea that is giving—it's not just okay. We met for the first time, and oh, I know you. No, it 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 denotes that over time they've developed relationship. Intimacy has grown from the time that they spend together. And Jesus is saying that as the shepherd, and and we're the sheep in this illustration, that he knows us and we know him just like him and the Father know each other, right? And if we talk about like a tight relationship, it's between the Godhead, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, if you belong to me, this is the kind of relationship that we have. So as you get to know Jesus, like with other people, you start to trust what Jesus has to say. Um, Diane and I, uh, Diane is my wife, when uh, we were engaged, right, we we were getting to know each other, right, but the trusting each other is happening at the same time. And that was really put to the test, not when I said I do, right, not when I had to speak to her mom and her her brother, not when I said I do, got on one knee, would you marry me? No, it's when we had to get into, when we had to have a joint bank account. That was the test, right? All this other stuff, that's easy. Money though? Woo. So in my mind, I'm like, can I, can I trust this woman with my money? Not that there was much of it, right? <laughs> if she ran off, like it wasn't going to be this huge deal. And she was thinking the same thing, like can I trust him to make really good decisions? Right, and to talk about money being our treasure, right? Um, the scripture says that often. So that became the thing like, okay, I know her a little bit, but can I really trust her with this? And so we went to Bank of America one Monday morning, and uh, we're sitting at the table turning the account to a joint account. And apparently, I didn't know this at the time, the guy on the, uh, who was doing it was signaling Diane, like, are you, are you okay? Like, is he forcing you? Like, is he forcing you to do this? And I'm like, and she told me afterwards, I said, really, he said all this? He didn't ask, <clears throat> he didn't ask me? <laughs> like, I, I didn't want to be forced into do, <laughs> doing this. <clears throat> but now that we've been married for a decade, right, like, there's trust there. right? Not, as I've gotten to know her and I've had experiences with her, like, there's trust there. There's intentionality behind it. And now we, we have trust. And so although we all will have a baseline of trust when we meet people, Right? It's the experiences over time that allows us to build on that. Right? You might initially have a trust with a doctor because they're a doctor. They've gone to school. They've graduated. They have, they have a practice. Uh, but it's, it's the time that you have with your doctor that you're suddenly, all right, this is my doctor who knows me and knows the stuff that's going on in my life and with my body. And I can trust him or her. Right? But um, Peter, I just want to give you just another quick example. Peter also had a baseline trust with Jesus, right? Uh, In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls him now. Jesus is based on his reputation, like he's this cool rabbi coming in and and like surprising everyone, and then he comes up to Peter and says, hey, follow me, and they follow, right? This is baseline of trust, but they don't really know him yet, but by the time we get to Matthew chapter 14, Peter trusts Jesus enough to do this wild thing. All right, and it's Matthew 14, verse 27. I'll read it for you real quick. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Him meaning Jesus. Like, that's scary. Jesus was doing some creepy stuff. Like, why are you walking on water, like, in the middle of the night? All right? In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Peter trusted Jesus over time enough to get out of the boat and walk on water. That's wild. Like, you have to think that this guy must be God in order to do this. Like, to walk on water, right? And so even though, read verse 13, but when he saw the strong wind, meaning Peter, wind and waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, he said. Why did you doubt me? And even in the midst of him sinking in doubting Jesus, Jesus was still there to pick him up. I just want to let you know this morning, as you're getting to know Jesus, that he is trustworthy. Even though you might doubt, Even though you might have little faith in him, but he is faithful. He is trustworthy. And if you're trying to figure out whether you can trust this Jesus, right, you haven't placed your faith in him yet, I just want to remind you. Like, I just want to let you know that Jesus is trustworthy. And you can tell from the experiences and the stories of all the people in this room that Jesus has done some amazing things in our lives and you can't trust him. Right? Scripture tells us repeatedly that we need to trust God. So how do we know and trust Jesus more? Like, how do we make this a practical thing uh, in our lives? Right. I think it's, it's, we need to get to know more of him. Like, we don't have the opportunity to walk face-to-face with Jesus like the disciples did, but we can read more about him in Scripture, right? The time that we spend reading our word lets us know who this Jesus is. We can see the sort of person that he was. That he liked to not just hang out with the religious people. He hung out with the folks who were ostracized. It that that tells you the kind of person that Jesus was and is, right? But it's not simply just reading. You have to experience life with him. And I mentioned earlier that, like, if you go to, if you hear the stories of other people, you'll get a chance, a glimpse of who Jesus is and what he's done in other people's lives. But I know for you, if I'm talking to you, that he's done amazing things in your life. Like, he's taken you from a place of despair to a place of hope. I know he's taking you from a place of sorrow to a place of joy for some of you. He's helped you heal from a a, a negative past relationship. He's put you into some some healthy ones. For some of you, he's given you a purpose and added meaning to your life when previously you didn't have one. Or maybe for some of you, he's helped you uh, break from your brokenness and addiction to now being healthy or to not... Having, or having broken relationships within your family to having a healthy family by yourself. Like Jesus has done things for you. These, all these experiences speak to you being able to trust him and who he is. Right? And so as you get to know uh, Jesus, you might still be saying, well, Rick, I still, I know that I, I know him and I, and I trust him logically, but I'm still afraid to do some of these. I'm still afraid to share my faith with other people. And I get it. Me too. Right, But here's how knowing Jesus and trusting what Jesus said leads us to go. Uh, And this is a quote by uh, Hudson Taylor, who was a pioneer missionary to China in the 1900s. This is what he said about going. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckon on God being with them. The kind of confidence to go for me and you to go is built on knowing Jesus and trusting him, but is also empowered by believing that Jesus is with you. And scripture says that, like he said that to the disciples, verse 20, in in Matthew 28, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul, he adds on to this when he writes to the Romans, and so he writes to them, and subsequently, it's for us as well. In Romans 8, Verse 35a, the first part says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Verse 38, he continues, said, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are God's kid, nothing will ever separate There's no situation. There's no person. There's nothing, even the things that are seen and unseen, nothing can ever separate you from the love of Jesus. So when he says that he's with you, this guy that has authority in all heaven and earth, he is with you. So go. Go and do the things that he's purposed for you. To do. So as we wrap up, I want us to take this week, I'm going to encourage you to take this week to reflect on some of the things that we mentioned, right, on how much time you take to prioritize getting to know who Jesus is and the things that you've experienced. And as I mentioned, there, I'm sure you have plenty of, of connections um, in here. If you do, ask them, take note of the things that they've said that Jesus has done in their lives. Because that's a reminder for you, right? And so I want you to prioritize getting to know who Jesus is. So that means maybe reading scripture and doing devotionals or taking a class on Jesus. Um, You need to prioritize also trusting what Jesus said through scripture. So as you get to know him and you have these experiences, that your trust would build from there. And also that you would believe that he is with you. And it's all cyclical, right? The more that you get to know him, the more that you trust him, the more that you trust him, the more that you believe that he's with you. The more that you believe that he's with you and you do those things, the more that you know him and the more that you trust him and so on and so forth. So next week, we're going to spend some time on the supernatural aspect. These are the things that for you to do. But next week, we'll learn about the supernatural aspect of going, of having confidence that allows us to go and do the things that God has called us to do. So in a moment, we're going to pray but I mentioned earlier that if God has purposed you to be part of the rescue mission, um, that he's asking you to go. So whatever fears you might have, I want you to think of those things, the barriers that get in the way of you doing what you're supposed to do. Think of them and ask God to give you the confidence to be able to go through those barriers and do what he's asked you to do. But if you've shown up and you didn't have much confidence, you, you're sort of questioning whether you can trust this Jesus. Well, I just want to remind you that God has purposed Jesus and the rest of his people to rescue you. Like, he, you're who he's focused on. Like, he loves you so much that he's focusing on rescuing you. And that is someone that you can trust. He is trustworthy. And if you're ready to make that decision, as we pray, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then I'm going to uh, uh, share with you how you can ask God to forgive you. So I'm going to ask you to Close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're here and you're wanting to turn from your old life and to follow Jesus, that you want to know him and trust him. Can you just raise your hand really quickly? Great. You can put it down. That's you. um, I I, I just want to encourage you because because of what Jesus did. Because that he lived a life that we couldn't live and he died uh, in our place. And he resurrected. And he's been given all this power. That we, he has defeated sin and death, the consequences of it. And what he's asking now at this point is giving you the opportunity to place your trust in him. And to do that, I'm going to ask you uh, quietly in your hearts is to ask God to forgive your sins. And that you want to turn from the life that you used to live and you want to follow Jesus. And you want to live the rest of your life following him. Let's do that right now.